Take all that inclination to invest and now turn your focus away from the earth where it so naturally lands and turn your focus instead to the eternal kingdom. Focus your energy and your ambitions on investing in the eternal kingdom through the work of the gospel. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. We're beginning a message today called Investing Wisely. And Jonathan, when you hear the, the phrase, invest in God's kingdom, does that just mean give money to the church, give money to the parachurch organization, or is it more than that? I think it can involve those things for sure, but it is more than that. Really what Jesus is addressing here in this section of the Sermon on the Mount is where we are pouring our energy, our time, yes, our material goods, but all that we are. Where are we pouring those things into? And for many of us instinctively and for so many in our world, we're pouring ourselves into building up wealth, material wealth, possessions here on earth that we can enjoy for a very short period of time. But Jesus wants us to understand that there is somewhere better to invest, somewhere with a much more lasting return, somewhere that will bring far more joy and enduring benefit. Well, we're going to continue to look at this as we open up our Bibles together. We're in Matthew chapter 6 as we begin investing wisely. Here is Jonathan. Financial planning is big business. It's a major industry. Books on how to manage finances, to invest well, to retire comfortably, they are a dime a dozen in any local bookstore. There's a wealth manager's office in every neighborhood in town. There's no shortage of experts all around us who will tell us how to safeguard, use, and invest our money to maximum effect. Well, given the importance of good financial management, it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that Jesus has really quite a lot to say on this important subject. And given, of course, what we know of the Lord Jesus, of how countercultural his teaching tends to be, it shouldn't surprise us that what Jesus has to say on this particular subject is thoroughly distinctive, thoroughly unlike the advice we would hear anywhere else. How should the Christian believer think about money? How should we approach money? How should we use money? Three clear instructions from the lips of Jesus. And the first one is this, invest wisely. Invest wisely, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Here, once again, we encounter the radical, the countercultural Jesus. Consider for a moment the world's main message when it comes to money. Consider, perhaps, your wealth advisor's counsel. What are we told so often? Store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Make every effort to accumulate as much wealth as you possibly can. Wealth to enjoy, wealth to make you secure, wealth to pass on to your children. But here comes Jesus with the very opposite message. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. 
I remember a number of years ago, my parents were involved in helping clearing out a house that belonged to an elderly lady who died and who didn't have family around who could take care of her affairs. So they got involved. Anyway, for some reason, I stopped by with them one day to see this house while work was being done on it to clear it out and get it ready for sale. And it was fascinating, actually, to see this house. It turned out that this lady had been a compulsive collector of junk, a compulsive hoarder for many years. This fairly large house was piled floor to ceiling in every single room with everything you could imagine, mostly pure rubbish that should have been thrown away decades ago. Old newspapers, even old food containers, boxes, files, scraps of paper accumulated over many, many years and decades, literally tons and tons of it. We've probably all met people who struggle to throw things away, who tend to hold on to things just in case it might be useful. Maybe you're like that yourself. Maybe you have the privilege of being married to someone a bit like that. <laughs> but whether we're good clearers or compulsive clutterers with our things at home, many of us, if we're honest, will be compulsive accumulators when it comes to money. Perhaps you like accumulation for the sake of accumulation. You feel the need to keep more than you can use just in case one day it might come in handy. You find it very difficult to let it go. And Jesus speaks into that attitude of heart and he says quite simply, don't clutter. Don't be in the business of accumulation, at least when it comes to our possessions here on earth. That's not to say it's wrong to have any money in the bank, that it's wrong to make sound investments, to be shrewd with money, to own a house or to own a car. But I guess the question Jesus is driving at is this, do we have these things because they're useful, because they're a responsible way for caring for our families, that they're useful tools for serving the Lord and His people? Or are we cluttering our lives because we love things, we love money, and we love accumulation? Now, that's the negative part of Jesus' instruction here. Don't store up treasures on earth. But the positive side of his instruction is instead, verse 20, to store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Take all that inclination to accumulate, that instinct to invest, and now turn your focus away from the earth where it so naturally lands and turn your focus instead to the eternal kingdom, to heaven above. Focus your energy and your ambitions on investing in the eternal kingdom through the work of the gospel. None of our things are going to follow us when we die. We all know that. You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It doesn't happen. No, we depart from this earth as we first entered it, with empty hands. The story is told of a rich man dying and a curious friend approaching his accountant and asking, so tell me, how much did he leave? And the accountant, with great professional discretion, responded, all of it. Every penny, he left it all. We can't take our possessions with us when we die. But wonderfully, through the gospel, we know that we can take people 
with us to heaven. As we're involved in getting the good news of the gospel out, as we're committed to teaching our children about the Lord Jesus and His saving work, as we share that saving message with our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues at work, we have the opportunity to take them with us to heaven. So what will it mean and what will it look like to take Jesus' instruction here seriously and to heed it? On one level, it may mean redirecting some of the time and energy we might have put into accumulating wealth, redirecting it, and instead investing it in the work of the gospel and the work of the kingdom. In most spheres and in most careers, the harder you work and the more time you invest, the more treasure you are going to accumulate. That stands to reason. And the world would tell us just to keep working and working harder and longer to accumulate more because that's what we all want, isn't it? But the gospel calls all that into question, that entire worldview, that entire system of values. It forces us to ask whether we should consciously and intentionally place a limit on our career ambitions so that we can free and then invest time to tell people about the Lord Jesus and His saving work. At some point, if you are going to give time to discipling your children, to serving in the work of ministry elsewhere, at some point you may well need to say no to career opportunities, to career advancement, no to new clients, no to a promotion, no to a move. And the world would tell you you would just be crazy to do that. But Jesus simply asks you, where is your treasure? Where are you investing at the moment? I was speaking with another believer just this week who spent his career working for a major global corporation. He told me that in his company and in the culture there, it was really important to accept transfers city to city, to move from town to town, if you were ever going to have any hope of reaching the top of the organization. And he shared how he and his wife took a decision pretty early on, that they wanted to be committed to their local church. They felt they had a role and a ministry there, and there was a need. And so they decided that they would say no to all the transfer offers, and they would accept the career limitation. They would accept the dead end to promotion, and they would do so for the sake of the ministry. Now, that is a choice, isn't it? to store up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. Costly, no question about it. Wise, definitely. Alongside the whole question of time and career is, of course, the matter of giving. In a sense, that's probably the most obvious implication here and maybe the one we would rather skirt round and avoid. But the simplest and most obvious way to move from storing up treasure here on earth and instead storing up treasure in the kingdom of heaven, gospel treasure, the simplest way is to start giving our treasure to the work of the gospel or to start giving more seriously or more generously or more sacrificially to the work of the gospel. The reality is that most gospel work, it is heavily dependent, entirely dependent really, on the generosity of God's people. And the more treasure the Lord's people invest in the work of the gospel, the more can be done, the more people can be reached, the more disciples can be made. 
Where are you and I investing today? Where is our treasure going? To some extent, at least, the answer to that question can simply be found by examining our bank statements. I wonder what they reveal about our investment strategy, our true priorities. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Investing Wisely, taking a look at Matthew chapter 6 today, verses 19 to 34. It's part of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's called God's Blueprint for a New Society. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can always listen on our app. You'll find the Encounter the Truth app at your favorite app store. Simply look for Encounter the Truth. That's a great way to listen to Jonathan's teaching on the go whenever it fits your schedule. You can also listen through our website. Just come to EncounterTheTruth.org. You can uh, stream the programs or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at EncounterTheTruth.org. But whether you listen online, through the app, or on the radio, it's all made possible because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thanks by sending you a book called Through Gates of Splendor. It's written by Elizabeth Elliott, and it's certainly a classic. Hope you'll stay tuned. A little bit later in the broadcast, Jonathan will be along to tell you more about that. If you want to find out more right now, you can visit our website. Again, it's EncounterTheTruth.org. All right, back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. Jesus gives us a number of reasons here to make this wise investment, to store up treasure in heaven rather than here on earth. The first of these reasons is a powerful, if very obvious one. Treasure here on earth has no future. Here on earth, verse 19, moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. We once moved into a house back in London that it turned out had moths in the wool carpet. And by the time we realized it and detected it, they'd infested everything. Whole piles of sweaters and and scars would have little tiny holes chewed through them. They'd be totally destroyed. My basic observation was the more expensive the fabric, the more the moths liked it. They love silk and cashmere, I'll tell you. I guess we've all seen and experienced a perfectly good and nice car, mechanically sound, lots of life left in it, ruined by rust. And then there's the thieves that Jesus mentions. I expect many of us have experienced the pain and the frustration of thieves breaking in and taking away. Assets here on earth simply are not safe. I saw a brief documentary this week on the Howard Johnson restaurant chain. I wonder if you remember that and its sad demise. If you remember taking road trips in the United States 20 or 30 years ago, you'll remember that the Howard Johnson's orange roofs were everywhere to be seen along the side of the interstates. It was one of America's most successful restaurant chains and brands and companies. For many years, a Hojo restaurant was a great investment for an entrepreneur, a sure bet. One of the franchise owners was interviewed on this documentary, and he said that in its heyday, you could buy a Hojo franchise and set up a restaurant pretty much anywhere in the United States, and you would be guaranteed success. You would make money. But now, a few short decades later, only one location remains of all the hundreds and more at Lake George in New York, and it looks like it's probably going to shut down soon. There is no such thing as the sure bet, the secure investment, the safe place to put your treasure. And even if you do manage to grow and preserve your treasure for this life, the moment you die, it is of no value to you any longer. 
but heaven is different. Heaven is the one place, verse 20, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in, cannot break in and steal. That's one reason to invest in heaven and not on earth. It is a better investment. It is a safer bet. It is a sure thing. But verse 21 adds another reason, and I think this one is really fascinating. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, says Jesus. Verse 21 is one of those verses that we might think, on a quick reading, means the opposite of what it actually means. Let me just try and explain what I mean by that. If I asked you to summarize in basic terms what Jesus is saying in verse 21, I wonder what you would say. I wonder if you might say something along these lines. Jesus is basically saying, basically telling us that what we really care about in our heart of hearts will shape ultimately where we put our treasure. Our heart is going to direct our treasure. That kind of makes sense. On a quick reading, that's what I thought he meant. That must be what Jesus means here. Well, that might seem to make sense, but I think it's actually the opposite of what Jesus is saying. He's just told us, remember, where to put our treasure, in heaven and not on earth. And now he gives the reason for that action. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I think he's saying is this, your heart is going to follow the direction of your treasure, not the other way round. Jesus knows that our money is important to us. He gets that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Jesus knows that we will care about what we invest in. We will care about the things we pour money into. So to put this simply, as you and I start to invest less in accumulating treasure here on earth and more in accumulating treasure in heaven, gospel treasure, our hearts are going to start caring more about the things of heaven and less about the things of earth. We will train our hearts by our treasure to love and long for the things above. If you want to care more about the gospel, to treasure eternal things more, here is what to do, says Jesus. Give more money to the work of the gospel. Use your checkbook to teach your heart a lesson. Now, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that countercultural? Isn't that wise? I wonder if you've ever felt demotivated in your spiritual life. I wonder if you ever find it difficult to care about and treasure eternal things, to be concerned about the work of the gospel and the progress of the kingdom, to be eager to see more and more people come to Christ and find salvation in Him. If you feel demotivated in your spiritual life, but you long for your concern and your passion for these things to grow, may I consider that you consider afresh, may I suggest that you consider afresh, rather, your investment in gospel work? Are you giving? And are you giving generously, even sacrificially? For where your treasure is, says Jesus, there your heart will be also. That's another reason to take seriously this call to invest wisely. The, the other major reason comes in verse 24, and it's very sobering. Notice it with me. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Perhaps some here have had the experience of trying to work two different jobs at one time, two part-time gigs to try and make ends meet. Maybe a number here are actually doing that even now. It's pretty hard work. I remember trying that myself one summer when I was a university student. I had two different part-time opportunities come my way, working for two different people, and it seemed like a great chance that summer to have plenty of work and to be able to save up lots for university. But of course, the two employers ended up needing me at the same time, and both had urgent demands, urgent needs. And in the end, I just had to choose who I would prioritize, who would get my time first, whose needs I would put ahead of the other. I, I somehow managed this juggling act for a few weeks and didn't get fired from either job, but it was pretty stressful. And I remember at the end of that summer promising myself I would never try and do that again. It was just too hard to have those divided loyalties. Now, as Christian believers, we can sometimes kid ourselves into thinking that we can serve two masters. We can love and live for wealth and possessions over here, while at the same time serving the Lord, kind of on our own terms, over here. But Jesus tells us what is obviously true, what we should know already. We need to choose where our ultimate allegiance lies. Our love and our allegiance will only grow toward the thing or the person we serve, and the other is just going to diminish. And at the end of the day, in the final accounting, we will love the one and we will hate the other, says Jesus. I expect many of us could think of examples of believers we know who've tried to serve and love both God and money, and who over time have ended up loving money and turning their back on the Lord. I wonder if you know people who have done that. Perhaps for some here this morning, if you are honest with yourself, you can see that even you today are heading down that road, and it's a dangerous road. And if that's so, if that's you even today, the Lord through His Word does call you to choose, doesn't He? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to love? Is it going to be the Lord or is it going to be the things of this world? You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called Investing Wisely. And we have to pause right here, but hope you'll stay with us. We're going to continue next time. If you ever miss a broadcast, you can always come to the website and listen there. Our website address is EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, if you are a regular listener to this program, you know that we're a listener-supported ministry. That's what it sounds like. We depend on your generosity to keep Jonathan's teaching on the station and available online and through the app. And we want to say thank you as you give a financial gift of any amount this month by sending you a book written by Elizabeth Elliott. It's called Through Gates of Splendor. And Jonathan, who do you say this book is written for, and what's the benefit of reading it? Well, I think this book is for anyone who is thinking through how to invest their life or how to invest the rest of their life. And for the believer, of course, we need encouragement to be willing to lay down everything for the Lord Jesus and to spend ourselves in his service. And this is one of the most inspiring stories of Christian service and Christian sacrifice that any of us will ever encounter. Thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, have been inspired and encouraged to give their lives to Christian 
ministry and to missionary work because of the story of these five young men who gave their lives bringing the gospel to a particular tribe in Ecuador in the 1950s. But if you were someone who's thinking through this next stage of your life, how can I best use my strength and my time? If you're maybe heading into retirement and wondering, what do I, what do, I do in retirement? Or perhaps you're a young person thinking, what should I study at college? What kind of work should I go into? Or maybe you've got a young person in your life, a son or daughter or grandchild. This would be a great book to read at this particular stage. And I think it'll be an inspiration to think I want to serve Jesus and to make him known. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book through Gates of Splendor. Again, it's our way of saying thanks for your financial support this month. You can give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-998-7884. That might be easier to remember as 833-99-TRUTH. Or again, the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.